Well, I, I was talking a few weeks ago about open hands that really represent an open heart. And we, we were talking about the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler came to Jesus looking for fulfillment, looking for a relationship with God, but because ultimately, he's a good guy, but ultimately because his heart was closed and his hands were closed, he never received what he was looking for. And I said there's three words, three little magic words that will open any door. And those doors are thankfulness, which I want to talk about today on Thanksgiving. Um, forgiving, forgiving, and giving. Thanksgiving, forgiving, and giving. So we talked about forgiving a few weeks ago. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving today. We're going to talk about giving later on. But here's the big idea that we're going to talk about today. It has to do with an open heart. The secret of happiness comes from within, but is expressed with an open heart of thanksgiving. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of the heart, we just sang about that, out of the heart flows all the springs, all the issues of life. It's all about what's in the heart. Susan and I have been watching this, uh, I don't know how we discovered it on TV, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not. It's called Marriage at First Sight. Anybody heard of that show, Marriage at First Sight? It, it's quite a fascinating show. Um, they, they, all these guys and girls put their, their name in, and then they have a, uh, a sex therapist, they have a marriage counselor, and they have a pastor who matches people. Just like in the old days where your father or mother would find a bride or a groom for you, and they would match people, Remember how uh, Abraham sent Eliezer, his servant, to find a wife for his son Isaac. And when Rebekah came, she was chosen by the servant. When she came, she wore a veil. And Isaac never saw her until he was after he was married to her. And so it's, look, it's, it's about the heart. It's not about what you look like. It's about the heart. And so that's what this show is kind of based on. It's, it's based on your culture. They try and find people of the same culture, the same interests, same age, and uh, same values, and, and they match them up, but they don't get to see each other until they actually are married. So they have the wedding, they invite the families to the weddings. And uh, in this group of five couples, we watched them get married a few weeks ago. And so the, the man is there with the pastor up front, the families are all there, and the girl comes in through the door with her father or with her brother coming down and he's never seen her before. She's never seen him before. And then they get married, very much like it is in some countries today. So they get married and uh, they kind of shake hands and hello, I'm your new husband, I'm your new wife. It's kind of cute to see this, and the, the reaction that they have. Because you always have expectations of what they're gonna look like. And then, then you begin to see, they, they send them on a honeymoon, all five couples go in this place on a honeymoon, and it's a wonderful time, and they're getting to know each other. And, and then we watch them through the weeks. I just couldn't even imagine having cameras following me, but they, they threw the ups and the downs. There's really happy times, and there's really angry times where they have these fights as they're getting used to knowing the differences in, in each one of them. So as I'm watching this, and I'm watching every one of the five couples has had some really dark times in the first few weeks of marriage, as we all do. We're getting used to each other. We're all flawed people, right? And I'm watching, and I'm thinking about this series of messages. 
on giving, uh, thanksgiving and forgiving. And I'm thinking if, if they just had that, and of course we're armchair uh, counselors as we're telling them how they should react and uh, we're watching them. But if they just were thankful for the other person, if they were just generous in the way they put the other person before themselves, and if they were forgiving, they would get through every tiff that they've had, they would get through. For example, I'll give you an example of uh, this Friday night it was on. And um, so they're having a, this is one couple, they're a Latin couple, and they were having a, a kind of a, a disagreement. It wasn't too serious, but they have a disagreement. And the girl, the wife, they've been married now for four weeks, the wife accidentally used an old boyfriend's name when she was talking to her husband. And he reacted to that, just, I mean, I think it was kind of funny, I thought it was kind of funny, and he reacted to that with closed heart, closed arms. What? He really, really hurt, really insulted. So she apologized profusely. I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that, I'm so sorry. All he had to do was laugh it off or forgive, but he didn't. So now the whole, it's all on video here, the whole, the, the, the talk from this point on, he's completely guarded. Uh, listening to his body language, listening to his tone of voice, listening to the words that he said, he's shut off, he's closed heart, closed hands. So she's trying to get the relationship back on track again, but he's just resistant. As that's going on for a couple of minutes, because he's like that, she pulls back, and we've probably all done this in our marriages at times, and she pulls back and she closes up to him. Well, you're not listening to me, you're not talking to me, it, it, I, I can't deal with this anymore, and she walks out, slams the door, and leaves. So they, they could have solved the problem simply with thanksgiving, forgiving, and giving, but they didn't, she left the door. Well, she's gone. He, locks the door, deadbolts the door, and goes to bed. She comes back a couple hours later, can't get in, knocking on the door, now it's midnight, she's knocking on the door, he either doesn't hear it or doesn't let her in. The whole argument is exacerbated by this tension that's in the room now. She has to find a place to sleep that night, goes to one of the other couples and sleeps there comes back in the morning and said, you locked me out. And now the argument gets terrible and he's completely shut down. She's completely shut down. And she says, that's it. I'm divorcing you. It's over. And she walks out. That's how the show ended last week. So we'll see what happens this week coming up. But it, it could have been solved simply by forgiveness, by thankfulness by generosity of heart. These three little words change the world. I looked up thankfulness, uh, the, the blessings or the, the benefits of thankfulness on the internet, you can look it up yourself. You can look up secret of happiness, you can look up thankfulness, and you'll see pages and pages of uh, ways to be thankful and why we should be thankful. And the, the physical, physiological, social, psychological, emotional benefits of just being thankful, aside from Christianity, just being a thankful person. Uh, for example, let me just read you some things that they said here. Phys physiologic, physio physically. <laughs> if, we're, if we're thankful, lower blood pressure, improved immune function, 
helps more efficient sleep, healthier heart rhythms, less depression, stress hormones are lower in grateful people by 23%, cortisol, 23%, and 25% reduced fat intake. Maybe because they're not depressed, they don't eat as much fat foods, I don't know what that is. So your whole general health is improved with thankfulness. Teaching our kids, another survey was with children. And they, they surveyed 11 to 13 year olds, very difficult age. Uh, Self-esteem, 11 to 13 year olds, and they surveyed hundreds of them. And they said that those that were thankful were happier, were more optimistic in life, had better social support in family and friends and school, had fewer physical symptoms, stomach problems, head problems, and they had higher grades. Teaching our kids to be thankful. In marriage, uh, they, they surveyed, another survey surveyed 468 couples in a marriage, and they said the most significant predictor of a healthy marriage is expressing gratitude and thankfulness to one another. It influences how we feel about marriage. So thankfulness, that simple teaching, that virtue of Jesus that comes from the heart, thankfulness is, has a healing value to it in our mind, our emotions, our body. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to go back to the heart. This is where everything comes from. What does thankfulness do for our heart? And I, I listed in your notes, you can find your notes and you read them over because I'm not going to get time to go through them all. But I listed seven different scenarios from the Bible that teaches the value of thankfulness, and I'm gonna talk about three of them uh, right now. I wanna start with something uh, that, an old song, if you've been around church for a while, a song that was written 150 years ago uh, by a guy named Johnson Oatman. He was a pastor, and it's called Count Your Blessings. Somebody know that song, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. If, that means you're old if you know that song. Uh, let me just read. Here's, here, this is before all the science and the psychology came along. And this is a spiritual truth about thankfulness and counting your blessings. Uh, Johnson Oatman wrote, when upon life's billows, there's going to be the billows of life, you are tempest-tossed, you're in a storm. When you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. The last verse says, so amid the conflict, we all have conflicts in life, whether great or small, do not be discouraged, God is overall. That's a, that's a spiritual principle that God is overall. I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. Count your many blessings, angels will attend, help and comfort give you to your journeys and count your blessings, count them one by one. So the first one, the first one, uh, an attitude of gratitude opens the doors to heaven. I mentioned this about three or four weeks ago. We were talking about, uh, introduce the subject of thankfulness. Uh, Psalm 100, David wrote, I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I enter his courts with, with praise. So the, the metaphor is that God is on his throne, in the throne room, like the palace that David lived in. And outside the city were, were gates around Jerusalem, the city gates. And so we enter into the gates with thanksgiving 
and an attitude of worship and praise, you come into the court and into the presence of God. That's an amazing thing. So beginning with my heart, this is how I come into relationship with God. This is how I come into intimacy with God, with Jesus. I enter in, I can't even get in if I don't have an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness. I enter into the gates. And it puts me in a place when I come before God, I'm now through thanksgiving, I've come through praise. I'm literally, I'm, I'm lifted above this world scenario, what's happening down here. And there, there's a lot of pressure, pressures in life. I'm lifted above that and I'm into another world. And that's where we are in prayer. And I'm sitting before the throne of Almighty God in the invisible world. And, and Johnson wrote that the angels attend and there's angels around there. We're in that other place and we're in a place of submissiveness to God in our hearts. And that's where the flow of grace happens in that presence of God. That happens through thankfulness. That's number one. That's, that's, that's the general principle that thankfulness lifts us out of the pressures of this world to another, another level. I want to enlarge that in the second one. The second one, God created us to be thankful in gratitude, comes from our fallen nature. And I took a passage out of Thessalonians where Paul wrote, rejoice always. Have a positive attitude always. Pray without ceasing. Always be in connection with God. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's a, it's a very simple thing to say, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, when I think of issues that I'm surrounded with in church and you're surrounded with in church in our lives, I'm thinking of cancer. How, how do you say, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, I've got cancer. And I've gone to the doctor and the, the, the prognosis is not good. Thank, how, how do I do that? My, uh, say your spouse has an affair. Thank you, Lord. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord, that I would be thankful in that circumstance. What about because of COVID, your business has not done well, or you've been laid off, you've lost your job? How can I be thankful for that? Say my daughter was at UBC and she was sexually assaulted. How can I be thankful for that? Say a drunk driver hits our car and we have a bad accident, we're, we're in the hospital, and how can I be thankful for that? Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. How do we do that? It's understanding what Johnson Oatman wrote, that when we thank God, and the same thing in that uh, Psalm 100, verse 4, when we thank God, we're lifted out of this plane and we realize that life is going on down here, but God has a bigger plan. He sees life from a different perspective. We only see what we're going through at the moment. And, and it's bad. Very many times it's bad. But God sees life from a different perspective. That's number one. Number two is that God does love you. And God wants good for you. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be successful. And God is working things out, even in the midst, not causing them, but even in the midst of darkness, he's working them out on a different level than we can see. Well, that's the theology of it. Let me give you an example. Uh, we had a Bible study on Friday morning. I was with a Chinese group. 
And we were going through the Bible and we're up to the book of uh, Ruth, which follows Judges. I'll give you just a simple story from the book of Ruth. Naomi and Elimelech were married. It was a very difficult time spiritually in Israel during the period of the Judges. And uh, on top of the, the spiritual down that they were going through, there was a famine. Famines often represent there's a spiritual downtime. And so there was a famine and they had to leave Bethlehem where they lived and they went to uh, the, the, the uh, country of Moab, which is kind of outside of God's will for them. And they're living in this place. They have two boys, Milan and Chilean. And uh, the husband dies. The provider of the family dies. How can I be thankful? My husband's dead. How can I be thankful for that? My husband's dead. The boys get married. Uh, one marries Orpah and one marries Ruth. And they both die. This is all in the first four verses of Ruth. The three husbands have all died. They're living outside of God's plan for them. They're living in Moab. It's a horrible time. And Naomi is very, very discouraged. The 10 years they've been living there, tragedy, 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 tragedy has happened. And she goes to the two girls, the two widowed young women, probably 18, 19 years old. She says, I'm going back home. It's just too difficult here. I'm going back home. You girls stay here. And you know the story. And Orpah says, okay. She goes back. And Ruth says, I'm going with you. And she says, no, don't come with me. My, my life is miserable. Uh, my, my name is Naomi, which means pleasant, but my life has become bitter. And she says in the early, early first chapter, God is against me. And that's what she sees. She, her husband has died. Her two sons have died. She's living in poverty. God is against me. How can I be thankful for that? And she's not thankful. But what she doesn't see, and now the rest of the story, Ruth and her go back to Bethlehem, and the rest of the story begins to unfold, that God has a, a, a greater plan. All this time that she's going through this tragedy, real tragedy, not caused by her, just real tragedy going on down below, there's another perspective of what's happening up here. And that's what we see. And if you know the story, Ruth meets Boaz. And Boaz, whose name means strength, Ruth's name means beauty, and beauty and strength get married. And uh, it's a wonderful love story that happens. And we see hope beginning to come. Even though they've gone through this tragedy, hope begins to come. And Ruth and Boaz get married. They have a, a baby, and they name him Obed, which means worship. Wonderful Obed. Obed has a baby. Now we're looking at another perspective. This all hasn't happened back here, but all this is going to happen in the future. Obed gives, gets married, grows up, gets married, has a baby named Jesse. And Jesse gets married, has a baby named David. And David becomes the king of Israel Ultimately, from David's family, through Bathsheba, of all things, after an affair with Bathsheba, through this affair, out of that family, Jesus comes. So all of this plan, all this perspective of heaven is happening all during this time that Naomi is seeing, my life is bitter and God is against me. And all this bigger plan of God would come that this opened the door to the future and the birth of our Messiah, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Different perspective. 
And all through the Bible, we're, we're taken into this other realm and we see that God has another plan. And that's why Paul could write in Romans 8:28 that all things, good and bad, God doesn't cause these things, but all things work together for good, not for everybody, but for those who, what? Love God and those that are called according to his, his plans. You're on track with God and God has a bigger plan. That, that's how you can be thankful because you're not thanking for what's happened, but you're thanking in what's happening and that renews the relationship with God and that brings us peace on the inside. Let me take you to one more. One more story. We'll come down to uh, the story of David. It's number six of my seven lessons. Thankfulness in the middle of emotional pain and rejection was the key to David's faith. So now we go into the great-grandson of Ruth. I want to take you to a passage in um, Psalm 69. David is uh, now, now 500 years has passed since Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. And David is the king and he, he's going through hell. Uh, he, he has lived a life of difficulty, a life of challenge, a life of opposition. Even his friends have turned against him. He's under extreme emotional pressure in Psalm uh, 69. How do you be thankful when you're under emotional pressure? Uh, it, it's difficult. You've gone through this, 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 like Naomi did, like David did. And how do you live a positive, thankful life in those circumstances. Here's what David writes in Psalm 69, verse one. Save me, O God. The waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there's no foothold. He's picturing the metaphor, he's in quicksand. I've never been in that situation. I was in a situation one time, we were with the kids up in the mount, one of the mountains up there. Uh, big white, and uh, I was with the kids, and I wasn't skiing, but I was kind of walking through, and I, I fell into a, a, by a tree, there's kind of a hole in there, and I fell into this, I slipped into this hole, and I was trying to get out, and as I was getting out, the more snow was coming down, and I was falling deeper, and I felt so weak I couldn't get out. It's kind of like that quicksand idea. I, I can't get out, it's, I'm, I'm sinking here, I'm dying here. That's how David's picturing it. And, and then he pictures, I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. You're in the ocean and the wave has knocked you down and you, you can't get up and you can't breathe. And I've come into the deep waters, the flood sweeps over me. I'm weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim. I'm waiting for my God and God's not there. He, he's in emotional distress. And you come to the end of that psalm, read the whole psalm. It's a very difficult time that he's going through. But I am afflicted, verse 29, I'm afflicted and I'm in pain. Let your salvation, O God, set me on high. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. So I, I, God right now is out there somewhere, but I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to make him bigger in my life by shifting my mind, choosing to shift my mind to thanksgiving, I'm gonna magnify him and I'm getting out of this thing. He, he's beginning to look at that higher level, the perspective of God, and sees things that he wasn't seeing otherwise. He's magnifying God. 
Jonah did the same thing. Jonah was in the, uh, the fish. He'd been disobedient. He was suffering the consequences of his own choice. He's inside this huge fish, probably a whale. We don't know what it was. Big, this huge fish inside. I can't even imagine the, the, the horror of drowning with seaweed wrapped around him and the acids and the, the poisons and, and, and crying out to God, same as David did, crying out to God. And nothing's happening. Two days pass. It's on the third day. He says, I'm going to choose, even though I don't feel anything like it, I'm going to choose to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice involves death. I'm going to die to my perspective. I'm going to die to my pain. I'm going to die to myself. And I'm going to say, thank you, Lord, that you are God. And it's, it's a wonderful story if you read Jonah at the end of chapter 2 there. Is that I, I lifted up my hands with a sacrifice of thanksgiving and the fish spit Jonah out. Release came immediately as he shifted his perspective and became thankful. Release came. Last one. The last one. Oh God, we need help in our hearts, don't we? Here it is in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 to 7. Thankfulness, thanksgiving is the key to living in peace. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So I'm I'm praying, I'm asking God to deliver me from this trial that I'm in, this difficulty that I'm in. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, the shalom of God, the irene of God, which surpasses all understanding. This doesn't make any sense. This isn't like the, the, the tests where psychologically I feel better if I thank God or I, physically I feel better. This is something that happens deep in the recesses of my heart. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The power of thanksgiving. Thank, thank you, God. I, I was thinking this morning, I, I couldn't imagine being an atheist. And I come to Thanksgiving and I have no one to thank. I look outside and see the sunshine. I look at the grass. I look at the fresh air. I look at the country that we live in. I look at uh, my, my body function. And, and I have no one to thank. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There was a test um, a professor at Harvard University that Dr. Sean Acor gave and to his students, not Christian, but he said, I want you to set five minutes aside every night before you go to bed and list three, four, five things that you're thankful for. Don't, don't just be flippant about it, but think about it. What am I thankful for? Every night for one month, five minutes, that was their assignment. Every night, list those things that you're thankful for. After one month, the report was that they were happier, they were less anxious, and they were not depressed. Thank God for Thanksgiving, this wonderful remedy that God has given to us emotionally, mentally, physically, but most of all, spiritually. Thank you, God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. 
We've set aside one day, but Lord, we want this to be every day, in everything, in everything, in all circumstances. We want to be thankful people, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God. Father, I ask you to bless us in health, in our bodies. Heal us, Lord God. I, I pray for health in our emotions. I pray for health in my mind. My mind tends toward bitterness sometimes, ungratefulness. Lord, heal my mind. Flood me with your Holy Spirit in my heart. Wash my heart clean again, Lord God. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Lord, we want to be thankful people, and we want to enjoy the peace that passes understanding. We want to enjoy the health in our mind, our emotions, our body, but mostly in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.